Hey, this is Nick Walters with the Industrial Hemp Growers Digest, and this episode, recorded earlier this year, is with one of my fellow partners in crime and founding members of the National Hemp Growers Cooperative, Roger Ford. And Roger has on as his guest uh, Kevin Schultz with the 357 Company. The 357 Company is a transportation and logistics firm that figures out how do we get products from one place to the next. And many of you may be aware there have been ongoing trepidations with law enforcement and other states when you are transferring hemp across state lines. And so navigating all of that, how do you figure it out? What are the things that I need to be aware of? What are some things that I should keep in my mind as a hemp grower uh, whenever I'm trying to transport my hemp somewhere? Kevin and Roger go over all of that in this episode, and there's just a ton of good information. Good afternoon, everyone. This is our Wednesday webinars. We have with us today Kevin Schultz with the 357 Hemp Logistics. That's a part of the 357 uh, Logistics Company. And uh, Kevin's going to talk to us about uh, a, uh, a vital part, I guess, of the, of the hemp business that is obviously transporting uh, a product. Uh, and then with that, Kevin, thanks for being with us today. Hey, Roger. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. The company's very grateful and uh, it's always great to align with, with like-minded folks in the, in the supply chain. So thanks for having us on. I'll just, at this point, we keep these things pretty informal. So I'll just go ahead and flip this off to you and let you, uh, let you take it from there and just give us a background of your company and then put your presentation up whenever you're ready. Sure. Let me share my screen here for a sec and uh, we should be good to go. All right. Well, well, thank you, everyone, uh, for joining us today. Um, my thought was to quickly run through a uh, recap of the company, why we got our start and, and what we've, we've done up till now, and uh, then quickly run you through our website where you can go on to uh, if you actually have some product that you want to move and how to, how to book a load with us. And then uh, run through some pictures. Uh, those are always nice to see uh, what we've been doing out there in the industry. And then we can wrap it up with a Q&A and um, hopefully answer any specific questions you guys might have. So, um, again, thanks for listening in. Thanks for having us. Um, it's great to be a part of, of, of a, a group like the National Hemp Growers Cooperative. Uh, thank you, Roger, Nick, and Max. Um, and uh, here's our company, the 357 Company. And, and we, we incorporated the company in the early fall of 2019. Uh, prior to starting the company, I was in the medical cannabis side of the business. I was working for a couple of well-known uh, multi-state operators that came out of the Illinois program. And throughout that um, stop, I, I became very accustomed to the importance and appreciation of tracking and tracing when you're transporting raw material or final product from point A to point B. In a heavily regulated industry or market like Illinois, uh, manifests are extremely important. Tracking and tracing is extremely important all the way back to the seed and the optimization of the routes when the trucks eventually go out into the market to deliver product to our, at, in the state like Illinois, our dispensaries. Um, we have to make sure we're, we're in line with law enforcement and the state's requirements. So when I looked over at the other side of the aisle and was researching the hemp side of the industry, 
I noticed there was a missing um, component that needed to be filled by somebody who had the best interest of the industry in mind, and that was logistics. For any supply chain to properly be able to function and do business with each other, you need somebody who logistically can help be a resource, share knowledge, and also execute. Um, first and foremost, we come from the industry, so we want people to have that understanding of us. We're not um, the kind of folks you just reach out to when you need a rate, although we can provide that. We encourage you to reach out ahead of time. Uh, we really want to partner with you, whether it's for budget reasonings or understanding the, the ins and outs of logistics, um, You know, whether it's going from a product going from a uh, grower to a processor or a processor to a co-packer. Um, we're, we're willing to help you out and, and share knowledge and even make some introductions for you as we go along. So. Um, back in October of 2019, we started the company. Uh, there's three divisions of the company. The 357 Hemp Logistics Division is our hemp division. Um, our regular logistics, we'll call it for the sake of this uh, presentation, is for anything non-hemp. We do a great job in logistics. We ship other freight, um, typically full truckload, expedited, high-value types of runs, um, runs that typically need to be have a high level of uh, attention to detail. Uh, which we're really good at. And then the 357 Marketplace, which is an area, think of as an e-commerce site to pull our buying power together and ultimately offer ancillary products to farmers, um, such as super sacks, uh, hemp sack, green bags, to properly store the product to maintain its quality. And then we also have a list and EPA approved disinfectant on there with everything happening uh, the past year with the pandemic, we were able to pivot during that pandemic and, and really provide a, a, a nice solution to folks throughout many components that we work with in many sectors. So um, our mission statement is simple. We listen and then execute. It's extremely important in, in anything in business and in life, but um, more so when there is a high value, heavily uh, regulated and many times gray areas that tend to um, come into play. And uh, with our leadership team, we have over 50 years of logistics experience. Um, we have pioneers from the medical device industry, the home food delivery industry, companies such as Grubhub, and then obviously myself coming from the medical cannabis industry as well. Um, we offer an array of services and specialties. Um, one that's not on there now, which we've recently implemented is Last Mile. Um, due to the PACT Act that many folks in our industry are affected by at the moment. Um, we've pivoted to offer those solutions for our customers as well. Um, you know, from seed to store, hemp's never just another commodity to us. Um, we, we treat it very, very much with the longevity of the industry in mind whenever we're working uh, on a project in the hemp, in the hemp sector. Um, we think it's extremely important to have the best interest of the industry in mind because there's moments where an opportunity might arise to move product that might fall into a gray area. And there is no gray areas with, with 357 Hemp Logistics. Um, we won't do business with you. We understand the supply chain needs to be able to work together. Um, we're just keeping everything out of that gray area for the time being. And, and we feel with, with recent arrests and um, different uh, confiscations in various states, we've all heard the stories from Oklahoma to Idaho to New York. This is really the safest bet in the best interest of the entire uh, supply chain. Um, we have a great te technology and a customer portal that you can take advantage of when you're a partner with us. You have your own login. It gives you 24 seven real-time visibility, track and trace technology on the trucks, of course. 
We have an extra step of tracking tracing ability to send out a GPS tracker to bury in the freight if it's an extremely high value load. Um, on-demand analytics reporting and, and several other uh, aspects that we feel brings that experience um, to a different level for you. Um, our standards of excellence are just that. We've written these, we believe in them, and we, and we really live by them. And uh, quickly, I'll run through them. We, we only operate within state and federally compliant standard operating procedures, both domestically and internationally. Um, we're looking for long-term partnerships. And as I mentioned, share knowledge is what we learned along the way so far. Um, we want to be an ethical resource for the hemp supply chain, ultimately building a reputation that leaves a legacy being this early on. Um, we, we secure and protect our partners' investments with hemp cargo insurance. And I, and I really want to talk about this and, and, and emphasize this because we're seeing it, folks come back to us that shipped with other carriers that thought their hemp-derived product was covered on basic cargo insurance. And in fact, it was not. And, and the experience can be traumatic. We've, we've felt those conversations when folks have reached out to us. And in fact, they weren't able to put a claim in because that, that company's cargo insurance did not cover hemp. When you ride with us, we have a policy in place. We offer a complimentary level of $50,000 worth of coverage. We feel it's that important that we are now going to put the complimentary uh, level of 50000 on the table for you. You can add a rider to that and increase that limit for a small fee that our ops team would discuss with you when the time is right. But this covers everything from seeds to final product, hemp-derived, also that is not in any gray areas. So obviously no hot material. And um, as long as we follow our SOPs that our carrier has asked us to follow, we should be able to put in a proper claim without worrying about what we, what we registered the class of freight prior to shipping. Um, you know, we're striving every day to make sure we ensure the longevity of the industry. And we're constantly advocating for sensible policy, working side by side with groups like ASTM International and various associations such as the National Hemp Growers Cooperative to really get that messaging out there, go side by side with the USDA and, and policymakers to ensure that when these policies are written, that we've played a role in the framework of that um, conversation. Um, here's the marketplace. Again, I won't get into it, but it's at 357marketplace.com where you can go on and shop for some commonly used items. Um, here's how you can get a hold of us. Um, the 357company.com is our website, which we'll jump to here in a second. Um, you can also call us at 844-357-SHIP. And this is a map of, of where we've early on really cut our teeth and uh, some of the more popular areas that were um, a little bit further advanced in, in the hemp um, uh, sector at the moment. And we're starting to trickle into some of those states that are starting to come online, um, such as those down in the South a little bit more. And then, of course, internationally, which we don't show on this map at the moment, but we should. Um, I'll quickly run over to, I'll stop there for a second. If there's any questions, Roger, maybe if you wanted to share some um, that might be coming up on the chat or I can keep going. Yeah, I, I guess one, yeah, one question would be uh, risk and examples of things not to do. Yeah, it's a great question. Um, first of all, it's definitely don't ship without the proper paperwork. You know, we're, we're running into that, that other folks are not willing to capture the, the paperwork we need 
that we require prior to leaving a facility and doing a pickup. Um, if you get pulled over and you don't have things like the COA and the farmer's license and the processor's license that you're going to drop at, for example, you know, you really have to have your paperwork in order. And, and there's got to be ways to communicate that effectively to law enforcement when you are pulled over. So, you know, there's a, there's a tremendous learning curve here. Um, this just isn't shipping normal freight, although some folks are treating it as such. Um, so the, the risks can be traumatic. There's been loads that have been sized that were under the impression that it was cannabis only later to realize it was released after 30 days, but drivers sitting in jail, um, product being spoiled while it's in quarantine. Um, you know, the risks are tremendous when you're wrong, when, when you're going over state lines and you're wrong, it's drug trafficking, unfortunately. And with a 0.3 THC threshold, okay, we have a question there. Yeah, sure. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, so we have a question from Michael there about a more standardized definition of what biomass is in terms of categories. Uh, you, you probably can see that in more detail there. Uh, would that make it more easier to bring hemp across state lines, especially in those states such as Idaho, that is more tightly controlled? So, so the question is, what's the different types of biomass? I don't have the chat up, so you have to... Okay, well, the, the question is... Um, do you think that there should be a more standardized definition of what that is at a national level, I guess, of what biomass would be? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we need to standardize this. And one of our partners, Global Smart Commodities, that we're getting ready to start doing some work with is trying to bring that one source of truth to the word biomass and through blockchain and, and some really cool technology, really define specifically what the product is, you know, have have the labs communicating with the blockchain to really be able to drive back that track and trace to the single source of where it came from. Um, when I speak about biomass, that can mean a lot of different things, but what the industry is typically used to is super sacks with either ground milled um, biomass plant matter, or sometimes it's more airy and it has stems and, 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 and we don't recommend shipping in that form simply because you're not getting the most bang for your buck for the truck. Those are very hard to fit in perfectly and get you the maximum weight when you're, when you're incurring the cost of shipping. So um, that's what I mean when I talk about biomass. Um, typically we do ship oil as long as it's not violating the THC percent threshold as well. Um, mostly isolates, I should say. Um, but I think when we think of biomass, we think of raw flower material. Okay. Well, that brings you to the next question about total THC or Delta nine on the COAs. What do you look for in that? Yeah. So when we, it's a great question. When we first started the company, Delta nine was, was really the, the, the topic of conversation. That was what everyone was going with. And from my experience in cannabis, I knew that Delta nine on a lab report was just exactly that. And, and if folks needed to figure out what their THC level was, so they weren't in violation, there's a formula for that. So right away, we said, we need to draw a line in the sand and, and simply go off total THC. And then as we started to set up meetings with various at the state level, sure enough, quickly states were adopting the total THC requirements. So that's what we go with. There's a formula for that. And uh, if you're over 0.3, 
to go over state lines, we're not handling it. There are some states, though, I should mention, that have a buffer in place to allow you to move it within the state boundaries, um, simply because it makes sense. The labs have a margin of error as well. Um, so some states like Florida and Oregon, I believe, recently moved to 0.35 as a, as a buffer, um, simply because there's, there's some room for error with the labs themselves. Okay. So we have a, a question from White Ryan that, that has a follow-on. Uh, says, when transporting, how does 357 company reconcile the 0.3% pre-cultivation total THC threshold with the potential for law enforcement seizure and post-seizure testing? So we, we have experienced massive issues with police confirming a pre-cultivation threshold. You were breaking up there for a second. So the question was, how do they reconcile the tests that law enforcement on the roadside may do? Was that the question versus the labs that we have on board? Yes. How, how do you, when, when, tra yeah, when transporting, how would you reconcile that 0.3%? Well, we'll have the, the most recent COA on board um, that will show the lab. We've confirmed with the lab that the COA is real. Um, and that's really what we go go with. Um, you know, we're working with some partners to try to figure out what's the best meat. I don't believe the technology is there yet to really test it roadside and get an accurate reading. Um, there's just a lot of variance in that and variability, I should say. Um, so I think that's something the supply chain really needs to work on and, and figure out alongside with the DEA because there, there's some there's definitely not a perfect science to that yet, so to speak. Um, but we just try to grab the latest COA required by that state's program, and that's what we'll go with. Okay. So what would that process boarding process look like for the customer with you all? Sure. So once we, once we decide that you're, you're a partner that we, we, agree to do business together, you'll go over to our onboarding team in the ops department ran by JP Mendoza, who comes from Grubhub. He has a um, DocuSign form that we will send over. He'll start collecting that pertinent documentation from you, like the COA, the grower's license, the processor's license, and, and a few other documents based on our SOPs that we require either be signed or forwarded to us. And then once that collection is done, typically the first time, that's the most tedious um, part. We get to know each other, we're vetting each other, and then we can kind of rinse, repeat moving forward as long as this, the lane stays the same and we're delivering to the same end user. Um, if that end, the drop point does change, we then would just require you to update that person or that that drop points um, license. So we make sure everyone's in compliance. Um, and then depending on the state you're shipping out of, each state has their own little nuances and requests. JP's team keeps on the, the cutting edge of those changes. And then he'll confirm with that state to make sure we're, some states require a local license. Some states require it every time we go in and pick up to have a license. Um, some states have a yearly annual license that require background checks on ourselves to go in and pick up. So really it's very fluid. It's very, it can be confusing at times. That's why we highly recommend working with a specialist when, when moving over state lines. Okay. Um, okay. So, uh, uh, in terms of that, how do you, do you run dedicated shipments or are there partial loads, uh, that are shipped, uh, in this, or do you combine shipments? 
That's a great question. And uh, it's one we face every day. Um, we run dedicated vehicles. Each vehicle is sealed afterward, and that seal is not broken until the drop. Um, we have SOPs in place for our drivers um, when they're driving as well, where they can stop, when they can stop, and how far from the drop in the, in the um, pickup location, for example. Um, the dedicated vehicles, we feel, is, is the only way to go right now. When you start to do LTL shipments with hemp and the value of these shipments are reaching certain levels, you, your, your chances of theft and product getting lost through that LTL network increases drastically. It takes longer to go. It's definitely less expensive, but we've heard time and time again, folks that have had great luck with LTL all of a sudden until they haven't. And that loss can be 30 to a hundred thousand dollars at a time when shipping through those carriers. So when you're typically shipping LTL, the product can be taken off the truck, put back on the truck. They're stopping along the way, sometimes nine, 10 times to fill that truck till it gets to the final destination. Our trucks pick up, they fill up. It's your vehicle. Put as much product as you can on there. As long as the weight restrictions are, are in line, we'll seal that truck up. And that driver is going from point A to point B with, of course, his legal requirements of stopping. Okay. So what is your uh, take on the PACT Act, the P-A-C-T Act? <laughs> seems to be a popular question these days. Um, and, and I'll tell you, it, it's really blindsided a, a lot of our partners, you know, that, that we've either known from our cannabis side of the industry and, or folks we're shipping for today. Um, we feel that with our legal team's advice that we're ready to launch into um, that last mile component. We have one of our partners is extremely successful in last mile uh, with all their freight outside of um, PACDEC. I guess, impacted products. Um, we feel that it's causing a tremendous bottleneck for not only the manufacturers, but the direct to consumer, obviously, um, companies out there that are, that are selling, whether it's a tobacco product or a CBD vape cart. So we, it's something to be taken very seriously. It's something that we think is right in our wheelhouse because we do pay close attention to detail. Um, but things like getting a signature at the door, making sure that person is 21 and older, a picture of the back of the ID, the barcode on IDs, and and the challenges is making sure you you don't mess up even once because the penalties and the fines are are expensive. And um, I think that's a big reason why UPS and FedEx have have decided to step away um, for the time being on any pack deck product. So we're looking at it as an opportunity for our company to grow and provide a, a great service for, for partners we've worked with already uh, and just kind of expanding that scope of business that we work together on and picking up some new customers along the way. Okay. So I guess that you mentioned FedEx and UPS among others. Uh, so you're able to track and trace the trucks as they're in route doing location. Yes. And, and our home delivery software allows for the driver to um, capture those required um, steps that the PACT Act is enforcing, like the signature, or like the picture of the ID, I should say, and the confirmation of 21 and older of the person receiving the package. So we have that dialed in in our SOPs and, and, and we're ready to go. Okay. All right. So specifically, we have most of our members right now are in the uh, Mississippi, Alabama, Arkansas, and Louisiana. Uh, area of the country. So you all are pretty well versed in the regulations and so forth in those states. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, I, I can run through a few of them. You know, I, I did ask JP to provide me some 
some, a cheat sheet because, you know, these are, these are daunting. There's a lot of differences between the states that I can quickly run through. You want to pick one? You want to start with Mississippi? Let's start with Mississippi. Okay. So grower's license, processor license, COA, and the BOL are all good to ship through Mississippi is our understanding. Um, the recipient in Mississippi must be licensed and all licensing in Mississippi currently goes through the USDA, not the state. So that, that's the little bit of info I could share on the call. If there was a specific pickup or a drop in Mississippi, we will then reach back out to our contact at the state level and just make sure we ensure that we're all on the same page and nothing has changed from the last time we've met with them. Okay. And uh, I guess next up, uh, let's, let's say Louisiana. Louisiana, again, basic pa paperwork, COA, grower's license, um, BOL, all good to go through the state. But if you're dropping off or the loads originating in Louisiana, a carrier license is needed, which there's a fee to that that we have to incur. Um, it's good for a calendar year, so it is an annual um, license, which is nice for us. Um, background check of the owners is needed. Um, so myself or one of my partners would have to go through a background check as well, which is pretty common um, in various states. Okay, Alabama. Alabama, um, they actually have something unique. There's a release of movement permit needed to pick up anything in Alabama. And it's absolutely needed if moving product out of the state. Um, the exceptions can be made if moving in-state for processing or drying. Um, and again, the BOL, COA, grower's license, um, the processor license, um, let's see, are, are required as well. That, that's about it. I guess the last bit then would be Arkansas. Arkansas standard documentation again. Um, let's see here. And then they also have a form in lieu of the BOL called the hemp material transfer request form. Um, let's see manifest document and similar transport documentation that we use in other states will suffice with JP's notes for us. So okay. we can go deeper into each of those states with JP. If, if anyone on the, on the webinar, you know, has some immediate needs, or, or is interested in a specific state's SOPs, we can dive a little deeper on those. Okay. So I guess one 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 final question that I would have would be about the hemp cargo insurance. How does mm -hmm. how does that work with you all? So that's our own cargo insurance. Where when when you ship with us, we provide a complimentary coverage of $50,000. If your load is, is for example, 25,000 in declared value, you'll have up to, you'll have 25,000 worth of coverage. It goes up to 50,000. Anything above that, there's a small fee per hundred dollars of declared value that you would have to incur to add on. I'll give you an example. We had a recent um, load that was close to a million dollars. So it would just take a, a day or two to, to get the proper um, <laughs> documentation in to our carrier to make sure that that rider is accepted. But we're, we're going all day long, you know, on typical most values of loads that we're picking up. And that insurance is all above board in our policy itself, hemp derived products from seeds to final end product are covered, including live plants. And you don't have to go to another carrier to apply uh, that, that all falls underneath our roof. So as long as we're on the BOL and, 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 and we're moving the trucks on our assets or our owner operator network, you're going to be covered. Okay. Uh, we have another question from Michael. It says, has your uh, hemp transport uh, had any railroad component to it to date? 
or has it been exclusively for truck transport only? It, it's a good question. Up till now, we, we have not worked with the rail. Um, we are, I will tell you, in deep conversations with some rail partners. Um, we realize that, especially as we start to pivot into the industrial side of, of, the, of the plant, that's going to be a more economical, uh, reasonable means of transporting the amount of weight that a lot of our partners are looking to move. So um, up till now, I, I, a lot has to do with having control and security of that load. It's been all over the road, whether it's a dry van or a sprinter van or a flatbed. Um, but we see rail being a big part of what we're going to be doing here in the near future, especially for the industrial customers of ours. Okay. Well, I will, I'd even expand on that and, and even expand that to include uh, barge, barge transport, possibly. Uh, have you had any any dealings with that so far? What what what's the conversations going on in terms of barge transport, say on the Ohio or Mississippi River specifically? It's it's a good question. I, I'm going to have to um, follow up with our ops team on that and see where their conversations are. You know, I will mention that international seems to be um, a. a, a a big area right now, a lot of demand coming in for quotes in the international where we're bringing in containers to the various ports. Um, Jeremy Powers runs that division for us. He's been a pro in freight forwarding for over 20 years and really obsessed with paperwork. And, and, and we really need to have those SLPs dialed in before we're going to press play on those lanes because um, we don't want things getting caught up in customs. So um, the barge is a great question. Let me get back to you on that one and see where the guys okay. are at. Okay. All right. Well, um, I guess do you have anything else that you that we've left out of conversation so far? No, you know, I, I can run through a few pictures if you if you want to see a couple loads that we've shipped, if you think that would be helpful. Yeah. Be great. yeah. Um let's take a look here. Can you still see my screen okay? Yeah. You maybe need okay. to blow it up. Yeah, kind of expand it if you can. Boy. Uh oh, now I'm getting everyone dizzy. Let's see. There, there we go. Is that okay? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, here's some biomass that's really, really packaged well. You know, this is what I would consider a clean load. Um, you know, on pallets, you know, wrapped, um, ready to be shipped. Um, this looks like a straight truck possibly there that we're, we're moving those on. Here's some, here's some live plants. Um, you know, and again, it, we really listen to the customers on how they want to ship things. You know, we'll, we'll adopt the SOPs to what their requirements are. We have some folks who are CGMP certified, uh, looking for that pharmaceutical type creative end product. And we'll, take on their SOPs and implement them into our steps as we go. So if someone says they want to ship them in these cartons and they want the van in, the, in a certain temperature point, or they want some lights hung, um, we'll do that for them. So a lot of these pictures, the way it's being shipped is how the customer has requested they be shipped. Um, here's just a, a recent tour we went on out in the field, you know, as the economy starting to open up and we're able to visit customers. Um, we love to get out and meet partners. This is a partner of ours called Mia Canna up in Illinois. That's a great processor, high volume processor, um, flatbed load that we brought in from the West coast, uh, super sacks. Um, this was more of that airy type of biomass, which we, we talked a little bit about earlier, you know, where you don't get as much weight inside a truck because those bags aren't moldable when the product is grinded up and very fine you can add more weight to the truck simply because they fit better and they're sackable um 
here's one of our drivers. We like to get out in the field and meet the drive, meet our drivers on the drops and make sure that, you know, everything went well on the, on the shipment and, and take care of those guys. They're, they're just, you know, they, they, they do a great job and it's not, not an easy life over the road. Um, this is the team here. Actually, I should back up, uh, Brandon and Jeremy to the left and JP next to me on the right who runs operations for us. Um, one of the recent shipments we did of some final product of a great brand coming out of the Illinois market, uh, gummies and, and pre-rolls. Uh, we went out in the field, made sure that they had the proper, you know, labor to unload the truck and, and just give an extra hand. That's kind of what we like to do. Um, here's some smokable that we've shipped in, in, in these, uh, bins that everyone's used to. I, I will mention to the industry to make sure you have some green bags inside these bins because there is some leaching tendencies from those yellow lids and, and your product could fail labs for metals. Um, here's some, we have a great modular racking system that folks can take advantage to. And the way it works is ahead of time, the racks are shipped to you. And you have a couple of weeks to put them together and put your live plants on there and have them ready to go when the truck pulls up. And then we drop the racks at your facility where we did the drop. And then our company will come on in and grab those racks and return. Them. There's a small fee for this service. So we got a couple more here. Here's, here's one load that we did down at an auction in Tennessee back. Uh, oh gosh, ready 2019. Um, our drivers some staff that was on site that helped load the truck. That was a fun one to load up without a loading dock. And, um, <laughs> you know, that's really a big thing, you know, a challenge that we face out there is, is many folks don't have the proper shipping departments, let alone, you know, loading docks to properly load trucks. So part of that data collection and onboarding GP's team will do is really figure out what we're going to be up against when we get on site and prepare ahead of time. So there's not any challenges that we unexpected. Uh, U.S. Hemp Building Association, this was down in Texas before the conferences shut down. Um, we're a member there. That's a great group on the industrial side of the fence. And uh, some more smokable here, wrapped tightly, nice in, in a sprinter van. So that's all the pictures I have for you today, Roger. Okay, that was great. Uh, okay, do we have any other questions for Kevin today? Okay, Kevin, I don't think, I think you've covered it pretty thoroughly. Uh, awesome. We appreciate your yeah. We appreciate your time and and the discussion. I think this is obviously a very important component for you know for product and 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 obviously for the bio biomass in general. Uh, being able to ship that and do it securely and efficiently, and uh, we we definitely appreciate your time today. Uh, we will be uh, obviously as with all of our webinars, making these available to our members uh, on the on a future date, we will obviously coordinate these and uh, distribute those to those that were not online today. Kevin, thank you for your time. Roger, thank you for having us. And, and, and please, please reach out to anybody who, who's listening in way ahead of time and, and let's get ahead of these conversations. And you got a partner here to check logistics off your to-do list and get back to focusing on your, your core, core book of business. So um, thanks for having us. And we look forward to uh, doing another one here soon. Absolutely. Appreciate your time. Everyone have a good day. This podcast produced and distributed by MWB Studios.